Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm a host. I'm Ryan Key. And I am your sub-host, until Nick is back next week, Mike Forrester. I'm a peppy. (laughs) (laughs) Any fool can see that I'm that boy's father. Uh, Shout out to life. Uh, That's how you started off. Welcome back, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. So Nick, uh, like Mike said, is still on tour, but right around the corner, he's going to be back, and we will be whole again. He's had a very successful tour. It's been. It's. I'm, I'm very happy for him. Crushing, dude. Happy it's for unreal. all the guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, we we are no longer in full time touring bands that it, that are you know what we depend on for our livelihood, and so to watch all of our friends go through what this last year and a half has been. It's been tough, man. It's been sad forever to watch, you know? And so seeing your your closer friends and their bands that you actually can, like, hear reports back, getting the same reports from Newfound Glory, my buds, you know, just, like, the tours are just crushing. Like, they can't make enough T-shirts and stuff. And So sick. So I'm really happy for everybody. Yeah. Happy for the crews. You know, the crew guys have been hurting real bad. And uh, just to get everybody back out and working again, it's great. So stay safe. Don't fuck this up. People, he was injured. Injured, injured bad. bad. <laughs> Isn't it so sad and depressing that that cute little kid is now just an adult, like a boring adult? Yeah. Just want him to stay this. Yeah, you just want him to stay the same age. Yeah. While we all get older and just have him be just as cute, just saying stuff. Yeah. It's like know. way worse than like a puppy turning into an adult dog. Like a cute kid is so much better than a dumb, annoying adult with opinions and stuff. Right. You know. Right. I probably. Right. I think I would prefer myself to still be is it it's probably a little bit like arrogant to say I was you know I was a cute kid. I was I was a pretty decent <laughs> looking kid I, myself. I was a cute kid. I was, I was a cute kid. So I, I yeah who I guess there are people out there who would prefer adulthood to childhood. I don't know who they are. I don't want to be them. No nah, man. I Bills and stuff. Ugh. Yeah. It's so dumb. Ugh. Anyway, Speaking about things that were great in childhood, but also happen to be great now as adults, Star Wars. We have a podcast that's called Thank the Maker, and you're listening to it. This episode... In case you wandered in off the street. But <laughs> yeah. oh, what's this? This is my summer rewind on Spotify. Just threw this in here for me. Wandered into a dusty cantina. This is part two of Star Wars What If. This week, we're going to talk about original trilogy What If stuff. We decided to break this up into more than just two parts. Last time around, we were like, oh, this is way too much for one. Turns out it's way too much for two also. (laughs) So we're going to do the original trilogy this week. Next week, we'll probably do the prequels. The following week, we'll probably do the sequels. And there's going to be some overlap in terms of the implications of some of these potential plot points and things like that that would be relevant to like the sequels in the case of the original trilogy here. But we're going to kind of confine it to the alternate story ideas of each, even if the conversation sort of uh, overflows. There's no real point in rehashing the cast stuff, so we'll just get kind of straight in. In order, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, alternate story things, alternate script things, and uh, then we'll discuss maybe some true hypotheticals since we teased this last time, some true hypothetical what-ifs just off the top of our heads. I dig it. Let's do it. All right, so we also really don't need to have segments in this one because we're just going to get straight into it. There's no real stolen plans. There's nothing. This is all just true what if. So um, insert mystical, cool Star Wars sound. A New Hope. As many know, and we mentioned this when we covered A New Hope on this podcast, was originally titled in Lucas's, I guess, first official draft. 
It was The Adventures of the Star Killer, as taken from the Journal of the Wills, Saga 1, The Star Wars. What if that was the damn title? We wouldn't be we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> no. Tell, tell you that much. Maybe we would. We would be really niche if we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be like um be like the expanse podcasts are gonna be in like ten right. or fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> there are dozens of us. Hella diehard, but dozens of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, did you go to Comic Con in Des Moines? It's that. No, dude, but I was in Wichita. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who lives in either of those cities. <laughs> Had great shows in both those cities, for the record. Yeah, Des Moines legit, actually. That was a yeah. very bad reference. I should have picked, like, Rapid City. <laughs> <laughs> no, people in Rapid City are like, come on! No, I got you. I got you. I retract both statements, because I also had a cool show in a warehouse in Rapid City in 1999 once. I'm going to go with, did you go to Comic-Con in Yulee, Florida? Did you go, go to Comic-Con in Imperial, Missouri? There you go. Great. Covered all the bases. Moving on. Crushed it. Lucas did this thing, and I think we mentioned this in A New Hope coverage as well, where he would, as a brainstorming exercise, just create names and then create little character profiles from those names. He would kind of get inspiration. Names that go as far in as like Revenge of the Sith came from early drafts. So Mace Windu was actually in Lucas's first draft, the protagonist, but he was called Mace Windy. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Mace Windy. I don't know. I don't know how Windy hits the page and sticks. Like we were talking about before we hit record about <laughs> breaking the idea of going to the um the Galactic Star Cruiser to our girlfriends and wives and how they were like <laughs> sounds cool, babe, sounds real cool. <laughs> if you were ta- if you're trying to tell a story including a dude named Mace Windy <laughs> Imagine how many more levels. Please hit the next plot point and add that into the description. Like imagine adding the second (laughs) word to it. Just it's already enough with just one of these words to make them be like, oh, yeah, the yeah, the Jedi thing. Yeah, totally, babe. Sounds real cool. But but make it this and imagine explaining. Mace Windy is a Jedi Bendu (laughs) training a Padawan by the name of CJ. So uh, that's me. That's me looking at. My girlfriend who's never seen never seen a Star War and going, yeah, we get to dress up like Jedi Bendus. <laughs> yeah, Adam's going to CJ and Mike's going to be Mace Windy. <laughs> uh, and CJ. I'm going to be Luke Starkiller. Yeah. <laughs> okay, have fun with your friends. <laughs> CJ, the space samurai. <laughs> have fun with your friends, 42-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, this definitely sounds like the episode of Modern Family when Phil goes to that convention. He goes to some fake convention. Was it for magic? Is it magicians conference? Well, there was that one. Then there was also one that was for like a, a Lord of the Rings kind of thing. And he was like LARPing with oh, okay. some other yes, fans. Yes, I remember that. This all sounds as ridiculous as that made up shit for that sitcom. So, yeah. What if? Mace Windy. But, it, you know, it, it all led to good stuff. You know, it's like anything. We, we've talked about this before. We're like the best of any facet of art, whether it's music or, or screenwriting or poetry, anything. It's not that the best artists just make epic, life-changing stuff every time. They just make so much stuff, and they're so, so good and so prolific at making that you whittle it down to this amazing album, this amazing single story, and you get stuff like Star Wars. You get stuff like, you know, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So here we are. I mean, as musicians... You know, and I'm sure you guys could explain this in my limited time as a musician. Songs are just garbage until suddenly they're not. Maybe if that is that how it is, is more often than not. Yeah. Right. Or it's like it's like something just clicks. And so I think what's interesting about Star Wars is so many movies that we can think of. Not many people inquired about the backstory as hard as we want to know every single dang thing about Star Wars. And the only reason we know about this is because people are obsessed with this this property. Yeah. And most of the – I mean, we could look back at, at hundreds of incredible movies, and we don't know anything close to this level of backstory or anything from the writer's room because people just took it as what it was. But because it's Star Wars, we're actually – I feel like we're, like, lucky to be able to laugh at this because yeah. this was – this information was released. It's incredible. Yeah, it's – I mean, not that there isn't, you know, the minutia of backstory and – every little bitty sci-fi title, but the ubiquity of this amongst the fan base just past like the threshold of like, yeah, I like Star Wars into like, oh, I love Star Wars. So much of this is out there so we can all laugh at it together. Here's actually a what if that's worth talking about a little bit. 
So originally, George Lucas envisioned the lightsaber as the preferred weapon of the galaxy, period, with everyone, stormtroopers, civilians, rebels, Jedi, all of them having the weapon. It was the sidearm. What blasters actually ended up being in the story. Right. So if that was how it went down, it would be cool. It would be cool looking. It would be very samurai, but I feel like it would cheapen it or devalue it and make it not as special when a lightsaber comes out and is ignited, you know? Yeah, and that's that has to be where the inspiration came from was his initial Kurosawa samurai foundation framework for the story. You know, everyone in those stories has a sword. Like farmers have swords and yeah. soldiers have swords and it's a tool as well, yeah. Yeah. So that's where that came from probably. And then he realized what a cool concept he had created in the light sword and was like, no, this should only be for the elite, those that have the power to wield it. So if we look back at history of maybe modern filmmaking and we look at the power of, you know, we see this story so often that there's some kind of quest or there's some powerful backstory as to how a certain character acquires a a sword or something special about that weapon, right? We're even thinking, oh, gee, you know, the sword in the stone. I'm looking, I'm thinking of other examples. I'm thinking most recently of Hattori Hanzo Steel of, of Kill Bill and Beatrix yeah. Kiddo having, going on this revenge quest that the original, like him being able to make his last, his final sword. Um, we look at stories like, uh, Adam doesn't watch Game of Thrones, but Ryan, back me up on this. The fact that we had Valerian Steel, right? That was a sword that was only yielded to certain families, and there were not a lot of them. So there was something very, there's like, it's almost like that that relationship between weapon and person, whatever they've gone through to acquire that. I feel like that's what made the lightsaber such a special thing, which was kind of crazy going back to the prequels and Attack of the Clones and seeing so many people with lightsabers. It made you feel like, oh, man, like people talked about the light. You know, we saw Obi-Wan light up his lightsaber for the first time. It was like people around the cantina were like, is that what I think it was? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Adam. Yeah. It's like you don't you don't like dragons, but, you know, you can only get one from old Valeria and it had to be forged in dragon fire or else it just doesn't. And then when you find out what that means later, it's but then all the dragons are dead and you can't make any more limited supply. It's like like Beskar, kind of in a way. Sure, yeah, yeah, Beskar, very similar. Yep. I mean, for the record, Valerian Steel sounds like an adult film actor, but um, <laughs> it's just my opinion. Um, the patrons like that one, Adam. They agree with you on that. We're one. never mm. getting this guy on the Game of Thrones train. It's never going to happen. I feel bad. I actually feel weird saying train after that comment now. So I'm just going <laughs> to let's just move on. Um, in, in closing, about the lightsaber, it the scarcity of it and the mythology that came along with it, the mysticism made everything about A New Hope that much cooler. It's like the lightsaber and the Jedi are like the shark in Jaws. They're like the alien in Sign. You get a little glimpse of it and it's like, oh my God, there's this whole other thing below the surface behind the curtain that makes it that much more intriguing. And yes, in the prequels, when we saw hundreds of Jedi in the Geonosian arena, all of our minds just exploded. Like, oh my God, look at all these lightsabers. It's about, you know, they're about to throw down. But we wouldn't be that pumped. If there hadn't been the mystery around it to start. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And Lucas had to have recognized that and thought, okay, well, what if I put this in everybody's hand? Is it that cool anymore? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Well, the other question I have, and I obviously we're all a little bit too young to, to see it in the theater and experience it. Was the lightsaber always, I mean, the lightsaber's on every poster that's mm-hmm. ever come out of star wars correct yeah like by the time it hit the u.s everyone was familiar that the main character they didn't know his name yet had a light sword right yeah and i assumed that they probably showed that in the trailer right so it's kind of like it would have been really interesting to know what had happened if people had gone in blind and then when obi-wan lit that thing up in the cantina your mind would have been like what was that Because traditionally we've seen it with a sheath and, you know, there was some kind of long dramatic, you know, samurai pull it out quick or either they, you know, whatever. But the fact that the blade retracted, I mean, you're in the audience in 1977 being like, what the hell was that? And then to see that Vader also had one at the duel and his was a different color, like, yeah, to be in the theater in that. That probably wasn't in the trailer, right? That standoff. 
No, I'm sure it wasn't. And also, I would imagine there were a good amount of people who did go in cold in 77. Yeah. If you think about Lots it. Lots of water mouths, I'm sure. Hey, did you ever see that movie Star Wars? Oh, about four times. People tell me I look like Han Solo. Okay, so the original 1977 poster, which I'm guessing was the one that was like theatrical release, right? Which was folded up, has Luke holding the blaster pointing right at it. Han is shooting off to one side, Leia shooting off the other side. Vader is standing over Luke and he's holding up a red saber. Mm. So it's not the one that's more like um, space opera looking. Yeah, with, the one with the white belt border that's just super famous. The, that, the one behind Mike. Yeah, with Leia at, at Luke's feet. That's the one that I'm talking about. But then, there, yeah. The, Wait, hold on. I can't see the full thing. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. The one behind you is the OG. So the one where the, it's almost like um, it's more night the, style. The one where like, Luke is holding the lightsaber with both hands over his head. And yeah. Leia's, Leia's got the like way sexier outfit on, if that's what they painted her as like yeah yeah and they're both right and then 3po and r2 are off to the side so he's holding up just a white blade and it's got this like cross guard shape design to it yeah so vader isn't vader's silhouette is there and there's a death star but yeah he has no lightsaber so i'm just i'm just coming back to like what people would have felt like to see a light sword and then find out that this other guy has a light sword and his is a different color i'm like let's go yeah Speaking of Anakin Skywalker, the early name in Lucas's 74 rough draft of the protagonist was, instead of Luke Skywalker, Anakin Starkiller, spelled with two N's, A-N-N-I-K-I-N, Starkiller. He was the son of a Jedi named Kane Starkiller, with a K. Kane is killed, then Anakin is taken under the wing of an older experienced Jedi named Luke Skywalker. Completely different plot. Wow. This is early, early days. An experienced days. Jedi Bendu. <laughs> yeah. It is cool that they use the Bendu thing because that, that comes from, that's a play on some other samurai thing or, or like Japanese mysticism thing. But they, they then use that in Rebels. The Bendu is the, no spoilers, but the Bendu is a, a big force presence. There's a character, I don't want to say season three, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Dang. How do you reference Bendu without talking about his role and not spoiling it. All right. So, but I think I, I agree. I think it's really cool of, especially for what Bendu represents. Um, and that Jedi were supposed to represent, I, I mean, there are so many, there's so many different concepts that Lucas was also playing with. Right. Too. And what I think is interesting is like what really motivated him to go with certain lines. And the fact that we know now that he was writing a lot of star Wars with, this isn't a political podcast, but Star Wars is a little political. Yep. Um, and if people are hearing this for the first time, uh, George Lucas wrote a lot of themes that were based off the U.S.'s occupation of Vietnam. And so it's really interesting to see like what he was drawing in terms of concepts of where the Jedi, the Bendu, supposed to represent this idea of peace, but they were had been corrupted. And we see that a lot in the prequels. Obviously, the idea of imperialism is based out of a good place. We have the idea that we could make things better for other people, but it doesn't often work out like that. It's a big conversation about Jedi Bendu. Yeah. When we get into Rebels, eventually, we'll probably talk extensively. It's it's pretty dope. No spoilers. No spoilers. But it is interesting to think about. I mean, there's too much to even get into, but the idea of the father of the protagonist being a different person entirely from the villain in the story. And we'll get into that in the next one. We talk about the empire strikes back, but it is a lot like songwriting. I mean, depend. I don't know if I would even say depending on the genre, but the stuff I'm working on right now, finishing a, an album that I've been working on for shit, nearly four years now with my buddy, Ryan Mendez, we started like the framework for these four songs. We're finishing this month in 2019 in the fall, and we haven't touched them since. So we opened the sessions on Monday for the first time and got into a song. And I mean, this is, you know, this is an eight minute long ambient piece of electronica, but we we came up with this whole lead part that we felt like, you know, the song needs this. We found it. And as of today, four to six hours in, that whole thing, whole day's work, completely scrapped, <laughs> completely new part written. Yeah. And now it's the thing. 
Yeah. I'm sure it took more than a day for Lucas to figure all of this out. But my point is being that like similar to songwriting, you would be amazed at what first versions of stuff sound like, um, especially songs that, you know, make the record air quotes to say that this one wasn't just like tossed out because it was another version and it never ended up being good. You're like, no, no, this song that, you know, used to sound like this. Yeah. It's so, you know, how did he get from, from Kane and Anakin and Skywalker is in there, but then to flip all that on its axis and make Luke the main character and Anakin, a Skywalker, not a star killer and his father who turned to the dark side and it, insane that that's, there's a lot more brain power there than a lead part in a, in a song, but same concept. Ryan, can you explain? I just, I have a question cause I think this would probably be interesting for your listeners. Can you explain the process of, you know, so we build this story up, Lucas is building the story up and he's like, no, it has to work this way. Right. And you get in this like tunnel vision of being like, I have this piece, everything that I've done and concepted after this piece is all like, this is the keystone. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's just not anymore. Like all of a sudden you're like, I don't love that anymore. And I have completely moved on. And now this thing is the key. Like yep. what, what, like creatively, do you feel like is that, is that a conscious decision or is that something that you come to on your own? You know, is that something that like it, it just, the, the force reveals it to not be the most important thing you thought was mm-hmm. previously the most important thing? Well, again, this medium of, of music that I'm working in now displays what you're talking about more than anything ever before. Uh, rock music is, you know, there's, there's a, typically there's a full, full band of people who have opinions and thoughts about the song and their parts in the song. When you're doing this stuff, it's just you, it's you and your brain and your keyboard and your sounds. And like, you're the executive, the writer, the producer, everything at the end. Sure. And so the buck sort of stops with you. So those decisions get made here and that that's a new thing, but exactly what you're talking about happens all the time in, in these, these pieces of music that I'm making it. I just sort of explained one and that's not just, that's not the only thing that in this session that we've been working on since 2019 and we've taken really long extended breaks exactly like Lucas did with this story. He was writing this for years before it got made. We took breaks for long times. We come back and yeah, absolutely. There's a whole section or of music that like, this was the thing we found the sound and we're like, in you know you know studio like oh my god that's it it's so sick and then yeah. it's just it's not even that you go like that's not good it's not that and I don't think that that was the case here for this story because if if you start going it's not good then you're like I'm not good this story is not good I'm throwing it out sure but going like I just don't you know what the line is that Ryan and I all we always say in, in here in these sessions. We can do better. Yeah. We can do better than that. Yeah, yeah. It, you'll get to a point where this part that you thought was so cool and just going to turn the song on it, you know, the listener's going to hear that and it's going to fully pique their interest and it's going to hold it down. And then you're like, either it, it's happening too many times or that frequency is just like hitting my ear every single time and it it's just not good anymore. Or, or instead try the positive reinforcement of we can do better. Yeah. And I think that happens all the time where you find a, a part and as Lucas probably found all these different, these roads spreading out in his story and he would get committed to one, get down it and just realize I can do better. And by doing that, you just write a new part. And that's what's key. It's not like tearing the whole thing down to its foundation and starting over. You you just sort of write from there. The foundation of the song is still the same. You know, the, the baseline's sure. still the same. The, the chords are still the same. And so his idea of the galaxy and the empire and that that was always the baseline and the kick drum yeah so all the other stuff he just i think would have to sort of stop going down a certain lane and pick another lane and and that's absolutely how it works especially in electronic music production and like score composition type production do you have this thing i this analogy came to me when we were in la with the story that you do it's writing with some writers recently and we had some moments like that where it was like oh we can do better or we're just freaking out about like this chorus and then somebody sings a little tag on it. And then it's like a whole next level. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that's, that's the ultimate hook. Yep. That's the one, you know? And it's almost like, it's not like you're making it in real time. It's like you're uncovering it. It's like you're digging up dinosaur bones of something that already exists that can't, it's like, it's too awesome for you to have created it yourself. You had to have just discovered it out of mm-hmm. the universe, you know? 
And it's like you're sweeping away and you're like, oh, it looks like a big horn or something. That's like probably like a pretty big animal. And then you're, you're like, no, there's probably more there. We could do better. You keep sweeping and no, that's just one tooth of this giant yeah. Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's like so much more badass. Yeah. And sometimes it takes feedback, like you said, for somebody just to say like, I, don't, I feel like you can do better, whether that's a producer or, or a co-writer. And then it's like, bam, no, Vader's Luke's father. I can feel it when, when, when Ryan and I are in the studio together and he's sitting next to me, I don't even have to be looking at him to know he thinks we can, this is not good. Or yeah. again, I hate to say not good. He, he thinks that this is, we're not there yet. You know, we can do yeah. that. I can just feel it over my shoulder, like that it's happening. Yeah. And then we keep powering through and to strip that down even more because, you know, I'm not writing choruses anymore, but like to get down to the nuance of storytelling and compare it to music production and, and composition, like just today on this part we just chose a different sound in the library for our main piano track. There's all kinds of quirky, cool sounds and whatever. And then there's like your kind of basic pure piano sounds. We were going through them. We just clicked on one and it was like the flower bloomed. It was the same yeah. part. We didn't even change any notes. So the amount of, of nuance when you really strip back Star Wars and Lucas's process to go look at what this was when it was like a, every lane was open you know, the nuance he did by changing the letters in Anakin's name, by making Anakin Luke's father, like these little tweaks. That's not even necessarily like scrapping a whole part and rewriting it. That's just like, I'm going to try this sound on the piano part instead of the one we have. And then you go, there it is. Now it's there. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of similarities. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. I think there's a lot of similarities between music composition and, and story writing from a production standpoint. I think Lucas said it can be better. Until they started filming, and then famously, when he was spending his own money, he was like, "That's good enough." <laughs> <laughs> well, he he also didn't have people that, who were confident enough to give him feedback, and he didn't have the kind of collaborators he did in the prequels. And we'll maybe talk about this later, but feedback is so absolutely crucial. It doesn't matter how good you are; Agreed. somebody has to has to shake the tree a little bit. Agreed. You know, sure. I struggle to understand how now that I've sort of entered into a completely different world of music than I grew up in as a writer and a producer uh, and an artist, I don't know how these producers, composers that do it on their own. Yeah. And that could just be the band mentality that I have, you know, but if I didn't have Ryan working with me to like change stuff, I mean, it's, it's wild how we, how we work together and how, how one of us makes the other one's ears prick up in a way that you didn't ever think. And we both do it in very different ways, you know? And so that's a feat in and of itself Lucas doing this by himself, like coming up with this story and masking all of the shit he didn't know. That's one thing you can't really do in songwriting. A song's good or it's yeah. not. Like to just not know that Luke and Leia were brother and sister. It's a pretty big one to just yeah. go, you know what I'm going to do now? And nobody's going to be the wiser. Like, I mean, he's, there's a brain in there that is a force to be reckoned with, pun intended. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving on to The Empire Strikes Back, talking about Luke and Leia being siblings or not. The first draft was done by Lee Brackett, a writer who had done a lot of other more traditional, if you could call it that, space opera kind of stuff, sci-fi stuff that was a little more campy and fantastical. She was famous for her work in sci-fi and actually died like just a few months. We mentioned this in, in the episode, mm -hmm. died a few months after delivering this, this draft and there was a bunch of really cool stuff in it, but it was much more in line with A New Hope, much less character nuance, relationship kind of stuff, and, and campier. I think this is cool because breaking down this film is different than breaking down A New Hope because this is not like, we. Don't, I guess maybe we don't know or we didn't want to go for too long tonight. I don't know. But like what Lucas's maybe, you know, what ifs were for this version of the story but to have this sort of, he wasn't writing this one. So we're ha we have like someone else's interpretation of what if. it's This is Inception yeah. we're getting into right now. Yeah. So the first draft had no Bonnie Hunters, no Boba Fett, nothing. Lando was a character that she wrote, but had a different last name. It was Lando Kadar. 
Han was sent on a mission, quote, to speak to his powerful stepfather, who is apparently an important character in some way, um, who would have gone on to be part of the next film. Darth Vader and Luke's father are two different characters, like we mentioned before. Luke's father in the script was just called Skywalker and shows up as a force ghost with Obi-Wan while Luke is being trained by Yoda. (laughs) Yoda, by the way, is named Minch, (laughs) the little gnome. No. No. Minch. We're just going to put, we're going to throw Minch in the Valerian steel basket and move on. (laughs) The adult film star, Minch? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or just, just a filthy word that belongs in that basket. So this is like keeping with the, you know, Ben Solo, the, the Trevorrow script, like no redemption. Vader's just the villain. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, he's a traditional bad guy. Could have been an interesting spin. I mean, on just Luke just fighting the bad guy, you know, it wouldn't be as good, but, but you know. It makes the Return of the Jedi stuff, which we'll talk about later, the, the ambiguity about whether or not Luke would turn, mm-hmm. it makes it even darker. I'm thinking like Karate Kid 3, yeah. like what's his name? you know, who got Luke to join Cobra Kai. Remember this yeah, dude that yeah. like just a true terrible piece of shit from hell kind of villain. Terry Silver. There you go. Sky's got the it. limit from Patreon. Nice, nice, nice. Patreon always coming through in the clutch when you need him. Producer Patreon. So when Luke is having this, <laughs> this force goes powwow with his dad and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan and Minch. And Minch. <laughs> um, Yoda tells Luke that his sister, well, tells him he has a sister, but it's not Leia. Her name is Nelith. Yeah, that looks well, right. Well, we, we know that from actual Star Wars, it could be Neelith, Nelith. Nelith? Nelith. Princess Leia. Uh-huh. Princess Leia. Princess Leia. Like, it's just, they can say it however they want until we get about three films in. It'd be great if some point if she was like, it's Leia, <laughs> bud. Okay? Why don't you blow up my planet? I just don't ever want to actually hear Frank Oz going, Minch? <laughs> I don't want that. You seek Minch. <laughs> minch. You seek Minch. Mm, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really hate mm. it too. I really hate Been it. Been thinking about it a little bit. Mm, hate it. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if Nelith shows up later at some point or that if that was the idea, but Minch just drops this on him. Um, <laughs> Luke then takes the oath of the Jedi with his father and Ben. And Minch, um, almost like he's being knighted, which is an inch. It, it totally changes the vibe. Yeah, it's like a scout is trustworthy, brave, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Whatever that is, I don't yeah. remember them all. It's a lot of those things. Yeah. So I could I could see this being sort of worked into how the High Republic would do things because it's much more ceremonial. Yeah, knightly. Is there anything indicating that, Mike, so far? Um, the thing about the High Republic is that it's establishing itself pretty much. The Jedi Order has been there long before them as well. Yeah. So the process, uh, they're still very much Padawans. There's still very much a the same relationship that we see in the prequels, the same relationship is the original trilogy. But the way that they carry themselves and they have ceremonial robes, they have they change their outfits a lot more. So we see a little bit more of that, I want to say the traditional, what would we call it, what Renaissance period where there was a lot more emphasis on process and appearance in the High Republic. Yeah. And by the obviously by the time we see them in the original trilogy, it's like the Jedi have been gone and back to wearing robes and tattered clothes so if they even exist but we still we we basically jump into the whole thing right in the middle of the action we've not gotten to a point where we we know the sort of the logistics of the the padawan's journey and whatnot right yep we haven't got into that yet i'm interested i'm definitely interested but it would be talking about what if here it would be a much different return of the jedi i think if luke had been knighted in terms of coming back to yoda and that line, so I am a Jedi, yeah. and Yoda kind of laugh, coughing at him, you know, like, Ugh. that That whole thing would be much different, and I think it's so much better the way it did pan out, because, yes, he becomes a Jedi, but not through the traditional means, which makes his generation potentially a whole new thing, rather than just like, oh, now you're one of us, just like we used to do it, back to business, here's the book that has all the shit in it, right. <laughs> you know? I wonder if there's a parallel, if we talk about that, between Luke essentially becoming a Jedi in a cave on Dagobah, Mm -hmm. or maybe the self-realization that becoming a Jedi isn't through a process of 
two beings interacting with each other. It's actually essentially through the Force, right? And there was such an emphasis for his father that he was upset that he didn't get this like almost topical rank of being a master, right? Which at the end of the day, it's like none of it really mattered because the, there were plenty of Jedi who had gotten that rank. Clone Wars dives into this a little bit more, but you know, there's plenty of Jedi who had rank and they had all these things and they were just as corrupt. And so it's kind of interesting when you look at that parallel, the idea of Lucas actually let title be less important and more part of just that, you know, the, the the concept of becoming a Jedi was so much less formal in the original trilogy. And he almost used it as a plot point to show that titles are just titles. If you're a shitty person, you're still a shitty person, yeah. even if you have a title of Jedi, right? It's more about the connection rather than the the label. Exactly. And then that all of this, like this decision that Lucas made here to go something more spiritual, go a more spiritual route laid the groundwork for what the sequels would become and what Ryan Johnson would write, how Luke would interpret his experience and everything he learns about the Jedi's history. I guess he could have written something similar, but I don't think it would have had the same, it wouldn't have worked as well. But you remember that you know? Yoda reminds him of that. Yeah. The sacred text. And Yoda's like, she has everything in the sacred text. That girl who just left. Yeah. I mean, she actually literally took the sacred text, but, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, she. what Yoda was reminding Luke was that, remember, you became a Jedi as I was dying in a freaking tree fort on Dagobah. You don't need the text. You don't need any of that stuff. Yeah. Like, she'll become a Jedi when she becomes a Jedi. Just like you did. Yeah. Still a huge, huge Galaxy's Edge ball drop that they didn't make it where you can pull the drawer open on the Falcon and see them in there. Oh, yeah. I should have done that. V2. Even if they were fully tied down, you could only halfway crack it like, open. Well, so many people would open and close it, it would break. Uh, uh, you know what I oh. think it is? We're, we're now in certain point of view, Galaxy's Edge right now. I guarantee they didn't do it because little kids would be smashing their fingers all day oh, in that thing. All day long. You mean this park that was designed for kids? Uh, th dude, make it out of like a foam thing. It's not, dude, it's definitely But then doable. the adults would complain that it's not real enough. Yeah, you're right. Because parents would be like, don't get your hand out of there. You're right. They'd close the drawer, smashing fingers. Okay. All right. Here we this go. This is your fault, breeders. Here we go. Disney it. Make it flush. Like the books go to the top. Uh, so yep. when, it, when it slides open, there's no lip. You can't get your finger behind it. They reach the top of the drawer and it just slides in and out. Yeah. And most, I mean, it'd be nerds like us that would try it anyways. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wouldn't, I don't think it would have been as big of a, like, we're going in and we're going right for that drawer. Yeah. Like you'd have to kind of try everything and there's no rules in there about what you can and can't touch. I mean, you can sit down at the, at the hollow chest table and they can. Well, except for the. What? Except for in Rise of Resistance, the actual oh, right. button that opens and closes the real door that I right. <laughs> yeah. detained yeah, yeah, yeah. for touching. Yeah. The Empire pulled you into cell block to 2187. Dude, I, I really unlocked an Easter egg, a side quest in that shit. You did. Uh, one of our patrons brought up something really important, too. Uh, it's Wheeler. Am I saying that right? Weiler. Weiler. Okay. Weiler brings a good point that every Jedi has a trial specific to them to become a knight. Yeah. Which is a great point because, and I think we saw that in Yoda's story. We saw that in Luke's story, obviously through the, you know, through Vader, the helmet exploding, revealing himself, uh, Yoda battling himself in Clone Wars. You know, I think that's a great point to bring up too. I don't think any of that, I think that script came later. I think that idea, I think Lucas had something in the, with the wills and the concept of the wills, but that's a great point of how the Jedi were kind of set to everything that became a Jedi to them, they had to earn that themselves. It was completely unique to them. That's, that's a great point. And that's laid out really well, said in the simplest of terms that kids can understand in the gathering in the Clone Wars. Right. It's each individual's journey that makes it. Right. All right, let's move on to Return of the Jedi. The original opening scene was set on Abaddon, a planet that was fully city around the entire planet, one giant city. Classic Star Wars, no poles, no, te right. no temperature, just one landscape. Nope, just air conditioning everywhere. <laughs> the whole planet is Vegas. You're inside, you don't even hit the street. <laughs> no windows. Um, Lucas abandoned that, obviously, but later went on to retool that idea into Coruscant for the prequels. Would have been cool, though, but I, I would have to guess that he, he didn't follow through with this because he figured pulling this off with miniatures and everything just wouldn't nail the scope of it. Yeah. You know, he didn't have the technology to do it. Or, so. or do we know that, that Kazdin didn't walk in with the script of returning to Tatooine and, yeah. and he was just like, 
oh shit. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, that's way cooler. You know? I don't know. Yeah. What do you got there, Mike? Uh, Wait. Oh, yeah. Is I'm that good. like an original? Is that the art of Return of the Jedi? What is that book? Uh, this is the illustrated version of Ralph McQuarrie for people who are Well, not- unfortunately, you, you drew the... Um, uber pixel card tonight so i can't see anything <laughs> no! it is in that article that i sent yes. though um same picture yes so there's a bunch of really bizarre ralph mccrory stuff and cool concepts this is an interesting thing just real quick about concept art and how it informs storytelling and how it sort of uh stirs the idea of cauldron you know concept artists they get kind of basic ideas and they just throw out stuff they just draw things like Macquarie drew this giant, long haired green creature, like giant, whose head was as big as one of the huts on Endor, if not a couple of them. So he's peering up, he, they, she, whatever, is peering up over the edge of this platform on Endor. And the eyes are like as big as people pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's this giant green creature who the Ewoks and our crew would have battled. McCoy didn't know how that was going to pan out, but he just drew it. Some of that stuff gets used. Some of that stuff becomes what a lightsaber really is. Some of that stuff becomes Darth Vader's helmet. Mm-hmm. This happened to just go on the cutting room floor or, you know, in Mike's uh, concept art book, but not in the movie. That would have been a little much. What's that one? This is also Endor. Oh, also in the big mm. TP huts. An original Endor con- concept, yeah. yeah. And then we would later see this. I'm glad they didn't go with that cultural appropriation move of let's make yeah. this feel like the indigenous Agreed. people of North America so that people relate to, in the, oh, these are indigenous peoples. Right. I'm, they, glad, I'm glad they didn't go that way. They did, though, in the episode called Sanctuary of the Mandalorian. You are absolutely correct. That's true. Yeah. You're right. They did. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm not but, saying that you can't have a, a, a that type of structure. I'm just saying, uh, like... At the time, it was probably a little more, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I think it's probably actually more interesting to have a discussion about it now. But I think the fact that they just came up with something more original, I guess, is what I think is cool. Sure. They came up with a more interesting original idea than just like, okay, we know how much of this is based on Westerns, a lot. And we know that the Native Americans live in these structures that will make people you know that like it's just too obvious i think for this encounter i mean correct me if i'm wrong through through the original trilogy this is like our this is our encounter with like a whole planet of other species really right? yeah like a like a first contact moment in a way yes because yeah. like dagobah doesn't do that cloud city isn't that like our other locations up to now the jawas are on tatooine but so is everything else this is like we're going to a place where this alien species lives. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. so much more unique and original that they made them into like this epic. And as a kid, come on, like give me bears in a tree fort. Let's go. Let's go. With hang gliders and stuff. Yeah. Slingshots. Dan, I want to make a slingshot. So the question I have too then is, you know, of course it's like everything has been written on the internet. Is it true? Is it not true? Do you feel it would have changed a story of Chewbacca and his partnership if if we would have gone to Endor and they were Wookiees instead of Ewoks would that have changed anything would it have asked more questions about Chewie because Chewie was one of those characters who we didn't really know a lot about everyone just kind of he was in a way not as comic reliefy as 3PO because he became super important to them escaping Bespin he saved 3PO but he definitely had his moments where they relied on him to break some of the tension you know, he added that role, I think, to the original trilogy. Would it would it have changed the way that we feel about Chewbacca? Is that a what if that it actually was a thing that it was supposed to be Wookiees? Yeah, they were supposed to be Wookiees. They didn't. Uh, apparently, Lucas didn't want to pay for a bunch of Wookiee suits to be feet. to be made. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, and so this was this was an interesting. Yeah. Also, finding the people to ca- like, we're just casting like the Olympic basketball team and shooting them in a bunch of different angles, so it looks like there's tons of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, of course. And and well, you know, this can't obviously this wasn't planned, but we're glad that it ended up because what we learn about Chewie and Solo is one of my favorite things in all of star wars agreed so uh you know i don't i don't i don't think the wookiee stuff in the prequels is anywhere near as effective as the wookiee stuff in solo so yeah yeah of course it would have changed all of that and we and and again no way to know that in 1983 but what we what we ended up getting because there weren't wookiees on endor 
was like one of the greatest moments in Star Wars, dude. The head-to-head, like, Wookie, oh, the yeah, Wookiee code, like, yes, we know you can't come with us because now you owe that guy, you have to save him. Right. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so epic. So we, we wouldn't have gotten any of that. So what if there were Wookiees instead of Ewoks and they didn't get the screen time that they would have been owed, just like even Han and in a lot of ways Leia didn't get the screen time because Kasdan and, and Lucas couldn't fit in enough stuff without making a three-hour movie about the the secondary characters alongside Luke's journey because that yeah. was like the focal point of the whole thing, right? So he dug himself into a hole with his hero's journey by making Han and yeah. Leia such lovable characters. And not just yeah. that, we can go farther with the peripheral characters, 3PO and R2 and Chewie. I mean, it went yeah. on, I think, no one can plan for your first hit record. Like he had no yeah. idea that he was not just going to have the singles. He was going to have album tracks that were fan favorites too. And for the next 10 years, he's going to have to service those fans. Yeah. But also most importantly, he, he was awake at, in bed at night, only thinking of Anakin Starkiller or, you know, Luke, Luke, yeah. Star, whatever it was, the adventures of the Starkiller. Like that was his thing. So yeah, I mean, that, that has to be a point, a talking point of pre Twitter, haters of like well han and leia weren't even in the movie well good luck dude yeah. i mean good luck like it's just not it's a good problem to have you know but imagine so the wookies in revenge of the sith i remember being disappointed that we didn't get more of them like we saw them a lot but they were just it's like we saw less of them than the gungans you know what i mean yeah. and it was cool to see but it was just a visual ultimately exactly so if we had gotten that out of the way in return of the jedi what if the Wookiees were like a much bigger part of the prequels in terms of like, yeah, Lucas still would have, would have wanted to go to new planets and have new characters, but they could have been all along the way kind of part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like the, it, it would have fallen short. We would have been like, damn, I, I just want to see more of Chewie and his thing. We just like they were background to Luke and Leia talking about being siblings, right? Mm-hmm. They were background to this or that potentially we could have gotten more of them in the prequels. I, st- I still think the payoff you know in mean? Solo is 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 worth this going down the way it went down. Yeah. Like Chewie's their <laughs> Wookmanity <laughs> yeah. being on display yeah. the way it was in, in Solo is a direct result of this choice not being made. I'm excited going forward because obviously they didn't kill off Chewie in The Rise of Skywalker on purpose. They could have. It would have been the heaviest, most like... <sighs> Dude, remember brave thing ever? when you thought it was? Remember Ooh, though? I do. Oh, dude, I do remember that. I was like eyes filling up, <sighs> man, fully with my tears, dad, just like uh, losing my shit. My, my dad will talk in films, and it can be like, "Dad, shh. yeah," but he <laughs> yeah. just like couldn't process. He was like, in the theater, he's like, "Chewie's, Chewie's dead. <laughs> they killed. They ki-. like he just couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. Like he was so." Yeah upset about it uh and i'm meanwhile yeah. i'm sitting there with that happening next to me also just like full water beds in my in my eyes like yeah and daisy oh, sold yeah. that scene so well when she oh, screams i'm like oh yeah. oh no oh no oh no, yeah. no no obviously they decided not to kill him because we're gonna get more chewbacca like yeah wookies live forever so I, i'm excited to see what further depth we get about the, like you said, Wookmanity <laughs> and the relationships Coin and everything, that. whether it's <laughs> Trademark. In, in Lando or in further sequel stuff or what. Lando. It's it's going to be cool. And there is there is a small little piece in Fallen Order. You do actually go to Kashyyyk in that, in that game. Yeah. And you're helping uh, some of the other Wookiees that have been kind of, you know, the at this point the Empire has gone and started kind of taking prisoners who won't, get in line. Um, and so you help some of the Wookiees uh, in a character named Tarful. It, it, Kashyyyk does play a role in understanding where it sits in the galaxy. And it's interesting to see how that is portrayed in that in that game. Uh, but I agree. I think Kashyyyk is one of those planets that's also Force-sensitive. Uh, the Force channels very, very strongly. It has the the Warsher tree, which is this humongous tree, which is, it's beautiful visuals, but um, it has this giant tree, basically the great tree of Kashyyyk that has just a lot of power to it. And I think there is a ton, if we got a freaking Chewbacca spinoff on Disney Plus where I just had to read subtitles the whole time, I'm in. Yeah, count me in. All right, getting back to the Ralph McQuarrie stuff. <laughs> The green-haired creature was weird, but this is kind of sick. 
he did a painting of two Death Stars in the same orbit, which could be weird. But the idea that there was a backup. Two Death Stars at the same time, man. <laughs> Damn straight. I always wanted to do that, man. And I think if I were a millionaire, I could hook that up, too. <laughs> Hell yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to say about it, but... Certainly an interesting thing to explore. Could could have been really cool. Yeah. It would be a little... It would be even harder to justify or to suspend your disbelief of, like, the amount of time and resources it takes to build one, not, let alone a second one in a couple of years. But still, would have been sick. Well, I think that they had hinted at that. If we think about that for a second, the green-haired creature is called a Gorax. So I'm learning. Nice. Um, I think the idea, and I don't know if maybe we just haven't talked about this before, wasn't the idea of we see this in concept art, two Death Stars for Return of the Jedi, but the plan was to build multiple. Yeah. The fact that not that much time passed between A New Hope to Return of the Jedi. Oh, like they were be- being built all along the way. Yeah, the yeah. Empire's only getting stronger through the Empire Strikes Back when the Rebel Alliance doesn't even score a hit. 100%. On the, on yeah. the, on the board. You know, because it's what three quarters finished yeah. at the time that we see it. Yeah. Right. So it's like they didn't start from scratch. But you got to think about when you're doing this sci fi stuff, man, stretching, you know, people's disbelief to the point of making it work functionally. They really nailed it with like, well, this is where it's being built. So they're they, it, the, the shields can't be fully functional yet because mm-hmm. it's under construction. So there's going to be a shield generator. It's going to be heavily guarded. All that, all that works really well. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. As we go go back to songwriting, you know, when you scrap the two Death Star lead melody, ruminate for a few hours, trying other ideas, and, and around the writers' table, someone goes, "What if?" That's it. You're like, "Oh, dude, that lyric goes way better straight into the chorus." That's it's it. Way better. It's done. I see it. I see the shield generator. I see the satellite. Yep. It done. Yeah. You know, that's a breakthrough moment. So let's remember this when we hit the last one in this list, because I have thoughts. Remind me of this yeah. for the, uh, the the ending that could have been. Was it that well protected, Ryan? Well, I just I said heavy, I said heavily guarded. <laughs> oh yeah, but was <laughs> I it? didn't say well protected. Han, Han Solo tapped the scout on the right shoulder and he looked to the left. <laughs> he punked his ass and then yeah. walked into a sabotage. It did have guards. <laughs> they had four scouts. If we're if yeah. we're we're good here, we're good. If we're retconning in our brains, you know, they thought that it was remote enough and, you know what I mean? It was a top secret project anyways, and many Bothans died, you know? It, it's just, it's much more concise storytelling when it comes down to it. All right, moving on. Lawrence Kasdan and Harrison Ford, we've talked about this before several times, really felt that Han Solo should die. Totally back it. However, if we're going to start trilogy length measuring... <laughs> And you're not someone that, you know, whips out the sequels. The Force Awakens is anchored in that moment. So absolutely, I'm glad I totally back it in Return of the Jedi. Like, I know why they both wanted to. And I think that's such a bold, awesome writing choice that got shot down for the wrong reasons. I believe that. But we wouldn't be where we are. I wouldn't have had that experience in the theater in 2015 if this had come true. Their motivation was absolutely sound and was great. The idea that Han, because he didn't have a lot to do in Return of the Jedi, should have sacrificed himself to save everyone. It it could have, I mean, it would have elevated him to such another level if he was the one that didn't make it out of the Death Star run, and he's the reason. That's what I was going to say. Aren't we all on the same page that he flies the the Falcon into the reactor? That's what goes. Yeah. That had to have been fully sure. the, the writing point. Had to have been. They take shots at it. It's not coming down. He has to just. Han and Chewie go out in a blaze of glory. <sighs> Dude, I just got goosebumps everywhere. How sick would that be? It would be. It would be. But then you wouldn't have Chewie's scream at the top of the reactor on uh, Starkiller Base. Like it, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most powerful moments. That is an I am your father moment. I don't, I don't care what you think about the sequels. That moment is real and harrison ford wanted that for that character that has defined his life for four decades he's been (laughs) waiting for that moment that wasn't harrison ford like phoning it in like fine i'll come back and do han solo one more time no that face touch was i mean he's a legend he's he's one of the greatest to ever do his job and that was a very real moment for for him to have as an actor 
Like I watch a lot of movies and I was so moved in the theater by as much as I love Star Wars, it doesn't move me the way, you know, like the new Scorsese film might, you know, it's like not the same thing. So to feel that weight in a Star Wars film at age 35 at the time, I mean that dude, I totally think it would have been amazing in Return of the Jedi, 100%. Like, I can see it. And and what a shift in the in the finale of the film instead of like, woohoo, it's like blaze of glory. There's going to be this looming sadness over yeah. what was originally to be the end of the films forever. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. But I'm glad it didn't happen. Same. The other thing is, and that point of not killing him off, because was, and that was the reason, right? The reason that they put him in carbonite was because they were unsure of what to do. So it almost gave them an out, but he could have very well stayed in Carbonite, correct? Maybe. Because uh, I thought I thought at that point, his career was like blowing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah. that's cool, just leave him. Just he's, leave him. He's getting into those, the mid-80s Indiana Jones and regarding Henry and he's like shooting for the statues. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like in yeah. some of the films. Because I, be, I believe if I'm, and someone please do, Write us on Instagram, tweet at us. Um, but I believe that they had put him in Carbonite as a, we have him suspended here. We're waiting for the agent to call. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um, but I think that that was the reason that he had gone into Carbonite. And then you you wonder if, for Return of the Jedi, if he didn't come back, would that have like changed? Because Empire has such a vibe to it, right? Like at oh, yeah. the end of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid being like, why doesn't this movie make me feel good? Yeah. And and it's like, would that have just been too much? When you watch Return of the Jedi, you're super excited about it. You're like, whoa, and and they're dead. But then like, like Han's gone, you know. I know. And th- that's why we all watched Return of the We say now, Gan Battle Droid says that Jedi is his favorite, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. But most of us say as a kid, that was our that was the one we watched the most. But Empire is our favorite. So it's like. Right. Because of those reasons. Yeah. I don't I don't think if you asked me when I was 10 years old that I would have told you Empire was my favorite. However, I was obsessed with the Hoth same. battle. Like uh, same. with yeah. my toys, yeah. you know, my Legendary. action figures. That's I played that to the end of time. But yeah, I, I think that's that's absolute you're absolutely right, Mike, in that we would have then felt the same way as kids about Return of the Jedi, and that probably wouldn't have worked very well. Right. And then in but two though, it's like right, you go back to the original principle of what Lucas had talked about Star Wars was that in many ways it still remained there there weren't there wasn't character deaths and this kind of like shocking character death for the sake of sacrificing characters right it, which is a you know we we see that so commonly is that a, a character goes out as a hero by sacrificing themselves Lucas's thing getting back to the concept of what Star Wars as cinema was was that it's supposed to be, it's fun. It's an adventure film that awakens the kid inside mm-hmm. of you. And so it's like, man, then you have Han and Chewie conceptually. It, because it would have, it would have been them both. It would have, it, it would have been. been epic. But like yeah. as a kid, I mean, what other movies, what other movies can you think of? It's too much. It would have been heavy. It would have been super heavy. Yeah. That's why you can, you can handle Carbonite as a kid. You can't handle, you can't handle them flying into the Death, yeah. death Star like, I mean, I don't know how that would have been played. It's the two of them, so it probably wouldn't have been super like serious. It probably would have had them. Uh, dude, I don't know. Here's here's how they could have done it though, and it would have been heart wrenching. It would have been like the end of Rise of Skywalker if Chewie was the one that stayed down with Leia for the ground mission, right? And yeah. he's like, "It's going to be okay, bud. You yeah. know, yeah. Lando and I are going to take care of it. I'll see you in a couple hours. You know." Yeah. And then he dies. And, and Chewie's left behind. And I'm sad for Chewie in this hypothetical. Man, <laughs> I'm sad for Chewie. Yeah. Well, whatever. It didn't happen, so yeah, we're good. But he, yeah, instead, they waited till the next movie to kill him we off. Got, we got, yeah, we got, we got to see Chewie crying multiple times later on. So. Good point. This leads us into the last one perfectly because Kasdan wanted to see the ending very Western style. A lot more like the end of The Last Jedi, but with a true Western riding off into the sunset kind of thing. He wanted to see the Rebel Alliance completely crumbling. Leia goes back to being royalty. She becomes a queen. Luke walks off into the sunset like a cowboy. I I just don't, I don't see how any of that plays out right in a script. Yeah. I just don't see it. Like where's, where's the, the Rebel Alliance crumbles. Like where's the victory there? You know, I mean, maybe it's the kind of thing where like it takes everything to bring down the empire. And the only two that are left are the twins. Yeah. 
I, that's probably where it conceptually it came from in his mind. It's not about like win or lose. It's just like the Alliance fully sacrificed itself to win the battle and entrusted Leia with the ultimate power. Like Caesar, when Rome ceased to be a republic, it was like he's going to do all this for the good of the people. He, Caesar was the people's emperor, you know? I, I would assume there's some parallels there. Like we're going to trust you, our great leader. I mean, it's it's kind of messed up, but I, I think that's probably where that, yeah. that train of thought came from. Patron in the chat, Logiwan Kenobi <laughs> said that Luke ending has Game of Thrones vibes with Jon Snow. Dude, John and, and, and Sansa Stark, 100%. She, the, the, there was the North and the South in Game of Thrones were, the, the North was like a, a, like Scotland. It's, I mean, it's literally straight up based on that. The only London, the South, rules everything. They have a kingdom, but it's not, they don't have, they're not independent. And at the end of, spoiler, at the end of Game of Thrones, John sort of is the chosen one, sails off into the sunset and his sister, well, not actually his sister, which is also a spoiler, but she becomes the queen in the North. Like they get their own, it's as if Scotland, if Scotland seceding from the UK had gone through, like that happens. So that's always been a concept in this type of story. You know, the kingdom that's ruled by the bigger kingdom and then gains independence kind of thing. So it definitely has parallels to Game of Thrones there for sure. Interesting. All right. Lastly. Oh yeah. The two Death Stars. Two Death Stars. <laughs> if you think about the Death Stars being just like, you know, the police station in every quadrant kind of thing, it would take every last bit of the Rebel Alliance to bring that down. Mm-hmm. So that would fit really well actually into this, this dark ending. But now you're talking about like a five hour movie, right. not a three hour movie. It's a two-part finale, yeah. like The Rise of Skywalker should have been. Yeah, I'm dying on that hill. Would have been great. Hey, I'm not mad at the idea of more Star Wars, so... Still could have been a trilogy. I'm air-quoting a trilogy. Still could have been a trilogy. Part one, part two, yeah. it fits. Still a trilogy. All right, that's probably enough for this week. We're going to talk about the prequels probably next week, unless we come up with some epic idea. Well, let's tease them and let them know that the original concept that Lucas had come up with for the sequel trilogy involved a character that we know from the prequels that ended up becoming much bigger and having a much larger role and essentially became a two-villain story. We saw another story in his original concept play out, but the sequels would have been very different if this would have played out. So we'll talk about the prequels and then tee up the sequels for the following week it's gonna be good i'm stoked about this and then i promise at some point we'll get into our own truly hypothetical scenarios to discuss <laughs> made up shit <laughs> <laughs> all right ryan key give us a quote to wrap up all right i got a good short quirky one that is very much in the spirit of what if What if Lawrence Kasdan had not written the script to Return of the Jedi? He said, and I quote, I mean, I really liked those guys and the experience of doing Raiders was really good for me, but I did not really want to be involved. I only did Jedi as I really owed George a favor, end quote. Damn. That's a huge what if. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine the creative freedom to say, I just don't think I want to do the third Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at the time, though, yes, it was the like a, a true phenomenon, but it didn't have 10, 20, 30, 40 years of fandom building up. You know what I mean? It was still kind of contained within one generation. So yeah. he didn't truly know what he was weighing but out he, there. Empire, Empire, I mean, it was it was a smash, yeah. dude. The, the, yeah. the retail sales for the toys and merchandise and stuff, it was a smash hit. Like, yeah. Well, let's put it into, like, new perspective, right? And, like, modern perspective. Would that be, like, someone saying, you know what, I'm going to sit out the Deathly Hollows. I'm going to sit out the Goblet of Fire. Like, is, is that relative? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that, or, like, a Hunger Games. Like, you get the chance to write the, the final Hunger Games film, and you're like... It just doesn't really vibe with me creatively. Because there's you know, other I'm, stuff like Blade Runner coming out and you're like, whoa, yeah. I'm like way more into this. I don't know. And Alien and like, I mean. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The landscape was certainly shifting at that time in a major way. Insane. And was Kasdan thinking like, I'll sit this one out because I know he's going to do those prequels and maybe I'll just, I'll do those. For, I'll, 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 I'll hit him with another favor. Yeah. He might have done the prequels. He might have done, ep- you know, episode one at least. Well, I'm I'm really glad he didn't because... I think most notably the the Yoda's death and the throne room stuff is just it's his it's his hands just all over it. Yeah. It's yeah. why those scenes are so unbelievable. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. All right. 
patrons, thanks for being here. We had a few more than than usual. Love it. I, I gave a little more notice this time, so uh, I'll try to be even better about that on Patreon. If you want to be, you listener, want to be one of these patrons who hangs out with us while we're recording and hears all the, the goofy stuff and all the crap, honestly, <laughs> all in between and us taking pee breaks and everything, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can go to become a Jedi Council tier member and hang out here. You can also become a citizen tier member, just getting you access to Discord, or you can be a Jedi tier member that gets you some stuff in between. Got some options. That's also something that you might want to do just to support this thing, regardless of benefits. If you just want to help us continue to do this because it does take time and it does sort of make up some of our livelihood, we would really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at thankthemakerpod, on Twitter at thankthemaker. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. I'm on the web at William Ryan Key. You can find me as the host of our sister podcast, which is called Armor Party. So uh, it's about armor building. It's about costuming. It's about really diving into what makes Star Wars so silhouette And if you're looking into building a costume for, say, Halloween coming up in a couple weeks or, say, for a large convention like Celebration, we want to see you building and living up your Star Wars fantasy by becoming a part of the Star Wars universe. So you can find me, Mike Forcer, as the host of Armor Party over at Armor Party Show on Instagram. And you can also find my little side biz that makes a lot of cool stuff for going to Galaxy's Edge because that's sweet, too, at Hondo Supply on Instagram. If you want to follow Nick Ganbarian, host of the show who's not present, it's at Nick Bayside on all things. He also has at Batu Crew on Instagram for all things Batu. If you're there and you're hanging and you take a picture of yourself, tag it hashtag Batu Crew and he'll repost. It's good stuff. If you want to buy Thank the Maker merch, thankthemakermerch.com is where you can do that. We have a bunch of shirts, which are dope. That also helps us keep doing this thing. And the Radio Radio Show for Nick. Punch that in too. Yep. And the Radio Radio Show is on Spotify. That's all, right? Cool. We like Star Wars. Thanks for listening. Dudes, good hang. Till next week, may the Force be with you. You've injured, injured bad.